0: Hi, I'm Jeffrey. Welcome back to Nightfalls. Come, settle in for tonight's calming meditation and soothing bedtime story. As always, don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. You can drift off whenever you're ready. Come. Warm your hands beside the fire tonight as we rejoin Detective Sherlock Holmes in Inglewood Bay. Similarly, to the psychic receiving mysterious gifts that he assists in tonight's tale, Sherlock has a gift for tapping into his own intuition and honouring the voice within. I like to think Nightfalls has taught me a thing or two about listening into my instincts. My time here has taught me that my body almost always knows what's best for me. And by listening into it, I found myself more at peace than ever before. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our sponsors who make this free content possible. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalog of Nightfalls classics all with a rich, immersive, and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two tabs on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Just before we escape into tonight's adventure, why don't we take a moment to relax and wind down from another long day. Begin by coming to a comfortable position and allowing your eyes to gently drift closed. With each in-breath, I encourage you to draw the calm, and quiet of the night into your body. With every out-breath, try to let go of the day and release all that has come to pass on the tide of your out-breath. Breathe in and out. Inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. Each cycle of your breath draws you nearer to the deep sleep you deserve. With every passing moment, you're drifting deeper and deeper into a state of relaxation. Inhale and exhale. Breathe in and out. Inhale and sigh out in relief. As the weight of the day drains from your body on your out-breath, perhaps you find yourself feeling a little lighter Light enough to release the muscles of your shoulders. Light enough to let your tongue fall away from the roof of your mouth. Light enough to allow your brow to soften, and your mind to drift easily into relaxation. Now, if you're feeling ready, Tonight's story can begin. Sherlock Holmes strolled along the promenade and reflected on the past year. He had moved to the delightful seaside town of Inglewood Bay after officially retiring from his occupation as a professional detective. True, he hadn't fully retired and had helped solve many mysteries presented to him by the people of Inglewood Bay. No one had asked him for help over the last month and he assumed all mysteries within the town had been solved. So now, He had time to relax and fully enjoy his retirement. He would do all those things he'd been meaning to do. As he walked along, Sherlock realised he'd forgotten what those things were. It had been a while since he'd thought about them. He took a seat on a bench that overlooked the golden sands of the bay and pondered on how he should fill the day ahead. He gazed at the lighthouse perched on the cliff to his left, and then turned his attention to the pier on his right. It was a lovely day, and the pier was busy with tourists. All the usual kiosks were open. And the fragrant aroma of bacon sandwiches drifted on the air. The smell was coming from the café near the entrance of the pier. The tantalizing smell made Sherlock's mouth water. Even though he'd had a delicious breakfast a few hours earlier at his boarding house, he found himself ready for another meal. He stood up and walked towards the pier. He justified his decision by reasoning that, if a person couldn't have a second breakfast when they had retired, then when could they? Sherlock walked onto the pier and nodded hello to people along the way, some of whom had already become good friends. There was a small queue outside the cafe, and Sherlock took his place at the end of it. As he waited, he looked further along the pier and saw tourists milling leisurely through the marvellous myriad of kiosks that lined it. Boards were placed outside kiosks advertising their wares. Apart from one kiosk, didn't appear to be open. That was odd. Sherlock's eyes narrowed as he focused his attention on the silver and purple kiosk that was firmly closed up. It belonged to Celeste, the famous psychic and mind reader, well, famous in Inglewood Bay according to her customers. Sherlock had never been tempted to call upon Celeste in a professional manner, as he didn't think he would benefit from a psychic reading. That wasn't to say he was arrogant about such matters. It was more that he'd learned to tune into his own intuition over the years and listen to the quiet voice inside him. There were still occasions when the quiet voice had been wrong, but more often than not, He was right to trust his instincts. Celeste's kiosk was a popular attraction on the pier, and he'd never known her to miss a day. Perhaps she was visiting friends or family. Or maybe she was taking a well-deserved holiday. Sherlock was about to look away, but then he caught a slight movement on the curtains that covered Celeste's kiosk. It looked like someone was leaning against them from inside. Was it Celeste? Was she in trouble? Sherlock's instincts were telling him to take a closer look. All thoughts of bacon sandwiches left his mind and hunger disappeared. Nothing mattered more to him at that moment than finding out if the kind-hearted psychic was okay. He strode quickly towards the psychic's kiosk and stopped outside the door. He rapped lightly on it. Celeste, are you in there? It's Sherlock Holmes. He knocked again. The door swiftly opened. A dishevelled-looking woman stood there. Her purple turban was askew on her sapphire-coloured hair. One of the sleeves of her purple robe was rolled up to her elbow, and the other sleeve reached the tips of her blue varnished nails. It was Celeste, the psychic and palm-reader of Inglewood Bay. As her attire was normally impeccable, Sherlock knew immediately something was amiss with the psychic. Celeste put a hand to her forehead and said, Oh Sherlock, my world has been turned upside down. My career has come to an unexpected end, and the worst thing is that I never saw it coming. A forlorn expression was out of place on her usually joyful face, and Sherlock knew he had to help her. May I be of assistance, he offered. I feel I may be beyond help, even from a great detective like yourself, she sighed. You're welcome to come inside for a chat. I'm about to make a cup of extra strong tea. Sherlock smiled. I would love that, thank you. I have plenty of time to talk, and if you would like to tell me what's vexing you, I'd be delighted to listen. Celeste nodded and thanked Sherlock for his concern. The tea was soon made. The psychic and the detective sat on opposite sides of a round table, that was covered in a dark purple cloth. Sherlock prompted Celeste to tell him what was troubling her. Celeste reached beneath the table and pulled out a wicker basket. She placed it on the table. The basket contained a beautiful collection of red and pink roses made from silk. So exquisite was their design. They looked almost real. Sherlock admired the flowers and said they were charming. Celeste said, They are. They would look perfect in my living room at home. I love roses. But this gift is not for me. Someone left the basket outside my kiosk early this morning with a card. Here's the card. She reached within the depths of her voluminous right sleeve, pulled out a card, and handed it to Sherlock. Sherlock read the words to the magical midnight kiosk. He turned the card over expecting to see a message on the back, but there wasn't one. He said, don't understand. Do you have a connection to a magical midnight somehow? No, which makes this all the more confusing. I've been thinking about the previous owners, and I don't think any of them had such a connection either. Celeste shook her head in dismay. But herein lies my problem. I've tried and tried to use my psychic powers to deduce where these flowers have come from in the hope of contacting the sender, to let them know there's been a mistake. But my mind isn't giving me anything. All I'm getting is a blanket of fog. No words and no images. I concentrated my abilities on the cards too. But again, I haven't come up with any information at all. I fear my psychic powers have deserted me for good. In a reassuring tone, Sherlock said that if that were the case, he was certain it was a temporary condition, and he'd heard too many compliments about her readings from satisfied customers to think her talent would disappear altogether. He concluded she may be too close to the puzzle, Something that had happened to him many times during the course of his career. And when that happened, he found it useful to go for a walk and to distance himself from the situation. But I can't do that, Sherlock. I've got readings booked, and my first customer will be here soon. How will I face them? My powers have vanished. Sherlock said. Will you let me help you? I'll find out who sent the basket and who it was meant for, and the problem will be solved. Celeste wasn't sure, and said if Sherlock found the sender of the basket, it didn't necessarily mean her psychic powers would return. Sherlock then did something that he'd never done before. He held his palm out towards Celeste, And asked her to look into it. He said, Tell me, what do you see? Do I solve this mystery of yours? Celeste looked into his palm. All the worry on her face melted away like ice in the sun. She smiled. I can see you finding the mysterious sender of the basket although I can't see clearly who that is. I see something else, too. You were meant to come here today and solve this mystery for me. And I can see that you forwent a bacon sandwich to come to my assistance, is that right? Sherlock nodded. Celeste leaned back in her chair, and let out a long sigh of happiness. You're definitely going to solve this mystery. That is a weight of my mind. I can feel my psychic abilities returning already. Thank you. Sherlock told the happy psychic she was welcome, and he would start his investigation immediately. He left the silk flowers behind, but took the sender's card with him. He told Celeste he would return as soon as he had some information for her. She smiled, looking like her old self again. I know you will. Mrs. Brown is waiting outside. Tell her to come in, please. Sherlock left the kiosk and almost bumped into Mrs. Brown. He told her Celeste was waiting for her and held the door open. Mrs. Brown went inside. Bert, the maintenance man, was sweeping the floorboards opposite the kiosk and gave Sherlock an inquiring look. Sherlock walked over to him. Bert inquired about Celeste because he'd noticed her kiosk had been closed earlier. Sherlock said Celeste was fine. Good, Bert said. I like to know everyone is happy. Is there anything wrong with her? Not that it's any of my business. Just a small mystery. In fact, it may be something you can help me with. Do you know who worked at Celeste's kiosk before her? Bert leaned on his broom and thought about Sherlock's question. Celeste has been here for 23 months, and before that, it was the McAlpine twins who worked there. They were retired magicians who set up a shop selling magic tricks and the such like. They hadn't really retired because they would still do performances and shows if asked. Bert smiled. A bit like you, Mr. Holmes. From what I've heard, you haven't fully retired either. Sherlock held his hands up and said that was very true. He couldn't help himself from getting involved in a mystery. He asked Bert if he knew where the McAlpine twins were now. Bert broke into a grin. At a retirement home for magicians, and before you ask, yes, that is a real thing. He gave Sherlock the address and advised him he could catch the train there. It was only two stops away from Inglewood Bay. Sherlock thanked Bert and headed towards the train station. Magical Midnight sounded like something magicians would be involved in. Perhaps it was the name of one of their tricks. The train was on time and it wasn't long before the great detective was standing outside the magician's retirement home. Which was a magnificent Georgian style house that was set back from the road. Sherlock walked up to the front door and was about to press the doorbell, but he noticed something strange about it. Trying not to smile, he took a large step to the left, reached over to the doorbell, pressed it and quickly pulled his arm back. Just as he suspected, a jet of water shot forth from the doorbell. If he hadn't have stepped to the side, Sherlock would have received a soaking. He chuckled to himself. He would have to watch his step with the retired magicians. The door was open and a clown in full makeup and wearing a bright red suit stood there. Slightly taken aback, Sherlock asked if this was the retirement home for magicians. It is, the clown confirmed. And it's for clowns too. I see you avoided our special doorbell. Well done. Do come in. Sherlock said he was there to see the McAlpine twins. The clown led him into a living room where the McAlpine twins were sitting in armchairs on either side of a large bay window. They were dressed in smart black suits and pristine white shirts. A couple of wands lay casually on the carpet at their feet. Sherlock introduced himself, and the twins clasped his hand in a warm handshake. They invited him to take a seat. One of them reached forward and pulled a shiny sixpence from behind Sherlock's ear. The other twin produced a pack of cards, held them out in a fan, and asked Sherlock to pick one. Such was the joy on their faces as they performed their tricks, that Sherlock was content to watch them at work for the next ten minutes. They were talented magicians and had Sherlock perplexed a few times, but he soon worked out how their tricks were undertaken. But, being a gentleman, he didn't say anything and gave them a round of applause instead. Sherlock explained the nature of his visit and showed them the card with the enigmatic words to the magical midnight kiosk. He asked if those words meant anything to them. Perhaps the phrase had something to do with their magic career. The twins called for a pot of tea whilst they discussed the matter. Over refreshing cups of earl grey and couple of biscuits. The magicians talked about their time on the pier and the customers who had visited their shop. It was clear from their discussion that the words on the card meant nothing to them. And why would we need silk flowers, one of the twins said, when we have a constant supply of them up our sleeves. With a flamboyant wave of their hands, the twins reached into their sleeves and pulled out a bouquet of blooms. Sherlock gave them another round of applause. Seeing as there was no connection to the mysterious gift of silk flowers, he changed the subject and asked about the shows they performed at the end of the pier. Sherlock became fascinated with their work and realised they were experts in illusion and concealment. Once they'd finished talking, Sherlock asked if they still performed because he would love to see a show. The twins nodded as one and said they put on a matinee performance every Wednesday right there in the retirement home and it was free to all. Sherlock made a mental note to return one Wednesday to see the twins in action. He thanked them for their time and asked if they knew who had owned the kiosk before them, because the gift could have been meant for them. They didn't know, so Sherlock said he would return to the pier and speak to Bert and ask him. The twins shared a look One of them said, Good luck with that. I don't like to talk ill of anyone, but Bert is the surliest person I've ever met. Never once did he crack a smile when we worked at the kiosk. Sherlock frowned. Bert had always been pleasant with him, and often had a smile on his face. Perhaps the maintenance man was one of those people who didn't like magicians for some obscure reason. Sherlock wisely kept that thought to himself. Sherlock returned to the pier and found Bert in conversation with Celeste outside her kiosk. She was holding something in her hand and was once more looking perplexed. He approached the couple and asked if there was a problem. Bert nodded at Sherlock and said he'd leave the matter. In his capable hands. Bert smiled at them before walking away, sweeping brush in one hand. Celeste held up a box. I've received another gift. There's a cake inside this, and another card. It arrived whilst I was on my lunch break. She gave the box to Sherlock, and then took a card from her pocket. The words on the card were sweet memories of our time together. Celeste said, I've no idea what this means. I've just had a chat with Bert and he didn't see anyone delivering the box. To be honest, Sherlock, I think he does know because he was in a rush to get away, which isn't like him at all. I think he might be covering up for someone can you look into this too? I know you haven't got anywhere with the other card. I can sense it. She swapped the card for the cake and said she'd keep it in her kiosk. She involuntarily licked her lips. As she entered the kiosk, Sherlock thought he heard the sound of the box opening, but maybe that was just his suspicious mind. Sherlock located Bart and asked who owned the kiosk before the magicians. Ah, that would be Angela Franklin. She was a baker. She lives on the road behind the library, number 25. She still bakes cakes, so follow your nose. Sherlock thanked Bart and walked away. He thought the phrase sweet memories of our time together, would be perfect for a baker. But maybe the earlier reference of magical midnight referred to a baked good of some sort. Sherlock walked towards the library, and then along the street behind it. He was convinced the case would soon be solved. The scent of vanilla and chocolate filled the air, and he knew he was going the right way. He stopped at number 25 and knocked on the door. A pleasant-looking woman answered it. She was wearing a floral apron and had a light dusting of flour on her nose. Sherlock introduced himself and explained why he was there. The woman confirmed she was Angela Franklin but she knew nothing about the reference to sweet memories or a magical midnight. Not to worry, Sherlock said. I'll ask Bert about other previous owners. He's been helpful with information so far. Angela folded her arms. Bert was actually helpful. Well, I never. In all my time working at the kiosk, He never even said hello to me. He must have had a change of heart since I last saw him. As soon as she said the last words, Sherlock smiled. All parts of the puzzle fell into place, and everything made sense. He had solved the mystery. He thanked the baker for her time and returned to the pier. He walked towards the psychic's kiosk. He saw she was waiting outside it. She said to him, I knew you were on your way back. You've solved the mystery. Sherlock cast a glance along the pier and noticed Bert was brushing down a bench in a distracted manner. Can we go inside? Sherlock asked. Of course. Once inside, Sherlock said, The gifts were for you. They're from Bert, who, from what I've gathered, has a fondness for you. Going by his distracted look, I'd go so far as to say he's in love with you. A slight blush came to Celeste's cheeks. Are you sure? But I would know if that were the case the soft smile, Sherlock said, sometimes we can't see things that are right in front of us. Think again about the cards that came with the gifts, and the gifts themselves. Do the flowers and words, magical midnight, make any sense? Realization dawned on Celeste's face. They do now. I'm planning to repaint the inside of this kiosk, and I was discussing this with Bert a few weeks ago. He suggested blue and silver, and I said that would be perfect, and it would look like a magical midnight scene inside my kiosk. And I've told him before that I can't have real flowers in my home, because I suffer badly from hay fever. What a thoughtful gift that was, Those silk flowers are beautiful." She put her hand on her chest and smiled fondly. And what about the cake? Sherlock prompted. Celeste was still smiling as she explained how she made a surprise birthday cake for Bart the week before. He'd mentioned his birthday not long after we met, but as the date got closer, I discreetly discovered he didn't have any plans for his birthday, so I made him a cake and we had a picnic together on the pier. We talked for hours and watched the sun set over the bay. It was a lovely evening." Sherlock smiled at the fondness in her eyes. Celeste continued. He's such a lovely chap. He made me feel welcome here and is always there when I need help. We get on very well and never run out of things to talk about. He's become very important to me. She closed her eyes and took a deep breath. When she opened them, she said, I can see a lot clearer now, Sherlock. I'm in love with Bert and have been for a while. I just couldn't admit it to myself. And I know why he hasn't admitted to sending these gifts. He's too shy and thinks declaring his feelings would ruin our friendship. I need to talk to him. I can see we have a bright future ahead of us. Celeste thanked Sherlock for his invaluable help and invited him to stay for a while in the kiosk. He could help himself to a slice of chocolate cake. And the kettle had not long boiled, so he could make a cup of tea to go with it. Sherlock took her up on her offer. Before Celeste left, she gave him a long look and said, don't stay here too long. There's someone heading to your boarding house who needs your help, and I can sense many more people are to follow. You're going to be busy, Sherlock Holmes." She gave him a wave and left the kiosk. Sherlock sat down and leaned back contentedly in his chair. The sound of the sea drifted towards him Happy chatter came from people outside. Inglewood Bay was the perfect place for him to spend his retirement. He laughed softly. Who was he kidding? He hadn't retired at all. And he never would. Not when there were more mysteries to be solved.